Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing you think that you need. Every little thing that's just feeding your greed. Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it. We're going to answer some questions here in, in a moment. I've been told there's a microphone somewhere. I have no idea where it is, but I'm sure we'll, we'll figure that out in time. Oh, they're bringing it Oh, there right he is. Now. Ladies and gentlemen, podcast, Sean. <laughs> so if you have questions, now is the time to start lining up. We'll be able to take like six people, I, I know for sure. Um, and once it gets beyond that, I can't promise anything. Um, but before we, we dive into the questions, I was thinking, Ryan, last time we were in Atlanta for a tour stop, it was February 2014. We just started this crazy 100-city tour. And, like, I'd planned the tour just right so that, like, we'd have good weather throughout the entire tour. We start in the south in Florida. We were, like, started in, you know, we were in Miami and, and St. Petersburg and... and we started all the right places, and like we were going to be in the south in February. It's going to be okay. And it was like the craziest ice storm <laughs> that any of y'all have ever seen. <laughs> Except Ryan in his Toyota Corolla, which we call our tour bus, with its Montana license plate. If you would have been here in February of 2014 and you're on the highway, what you would have seen are like tractor trailers flipped over on the side of the road, uh, people in huge SUVs going 11 miles an hour up 75, and Ryan just plowing through <laughs> all of the traffic with his bald tires in a car with, I think, has three cylinders in it. <clears throat> and now we're back. Oh, yeah, by the way, live from the Buckhead Theater, my name is Joshua Fields Milburn. And I am Ryan Nicodemus, and we are live in Atlanta. Awesome, y'all. Did someone say take your top off? <laughs> I'm pretty sure they did. <laughs> hey, we'll bury the lead, okay? You have to wait for that. Uh, minimalism. We have a special guest here tonight, so we might as well go ahead and talk about this. So, so Ryan and I, um, we don't always take ourselves too seriously, but tonight I think we're going to. Because, um, man, we have a special guest. You, you, you'll probably know him from, from the internet, um, from his YouTube channel, or from anywhere else that you, you've seen his just really inspirational videos. Would you say they're inspirational? That's a good way to say it. <laughs> well, um, and, and I mean, I guess you could call him a, a spiritual teacher, probably a, a thought leader. I, I'd call him an influencer. It's a word I like to use a lot. That's a very, very good description. I totally agree. Those are all words. 
Those are all words, yes. And, uh, I mean, really, if I were to just describe him, like, if you were to have a business card, you'd probably say the high priest of minimalism. Ladies and gentlemen, J.P. Sears. Now, you probably noticed I gave him the fist bump. I'm really upset tonight because uh, he said that because he's a real minimalist, he would have only one hug the entire evening. That, and I don't like white people. <laughs> hey, I resemble that comment. Um, no, uh, we were in D.C. a couple nights ago, and it's the first show I missed in seven years. Um, I... I uh, was laying in bed with an IV in my arm, you know, less than, than 48 hours ago, and uh, somehow I, I made it back here tonight. Um, I think I was just so inspired by JP that, like, I, I, I don't know if it was telepathy. What exactly did you do to get me here tonight? Well, I mean, you're welcome first. <laughs> uh, do you do vision boards, Josh? It sounds like I should. Yeah, so... I just put a happy picture of you on my vision board, and it worked. Which brings me to my next question, my next point. By the way, thank you guys for being guests on your show. I'm happy to have you. But you guys can consider, why are you here tonight? Why are y'all listening to this podcast? It's because I put you guys on my vision board. <laughs> Like, how else would you and your free will have gotten here? That's what I want to know. And if, if you guys ever want to say something on your show, you're welcome. Just chime in anytime. It's just an honor to be a guest on this show, honestly. Yeah. And what would you say your name is again? You can just call me Elvis. Elvis. Yes. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So we got some folks here with uh, some questions. I figured here's what we're going to do tonight. Ryan and I are going to give our opinions, and then, uh, JP, if you could help us out with whatever the empirical truth is. I'm, I, I'm, happy, I'm happy to humble myself enough to share the truth with people who don't know the truth. <laughs> happy to do that. That's very kind of you. Thank you. Howdy, what's your name? Where are you from? And then what's your question? Hopefully in that order. My name is Donna, and I am from Chattanooga, Tennessee. Ah, thank you for coming here. And like a good person, because I can go on and on, I'm actually going to read my question for you. But first, a very short backstory um, to help understand my question. Do you have a ghostwriter for your question? Yeah, sure. Well, <laughs> actually, my husband helped me on the way here, because it was like 17 pages, kind of like your first book, but I skinnied it down to, I think... <laughs> <laughs> No, no, he knows. It started out to be like 700 pages, but he got it down to like 250. Y'all have got to listen to more podcasts because I know the story better than you do. I thought you were, you were making fun of the fact that we're selling a book that's 136 pages. but the... No. Okay. Thank no. You. Okay. So I found you guys back in 2015 after decluttering bug hit me hard. One night I got so frustrated with the stuff in my house that I just, I packed up 26 bags worth of clothes, just clothes to send off to Goodwill. Um, Afterwards, feeling like there might be something wrong with me because I felt so good after I got rid of that stuff, 
I went online to research to see if other people had gone through this, and that's when I found you guys plus the minimalist community. So I've listened to every podcast. I've read two of your books. I think you have three. I don't know. You know, I stopped there. I figured two is enough. And I've watched... Minimalist. <laughs> I, I, can, I, can ver- I can tell you for sure that Ryan's read at least two of our books. <laughs> exactly. At least. Um, and as soon as I heard you guys say that your podcast was out on Netflix, I had to watch it. Loved it. So... Um, and then, so since you've provided a great deal of value to me and to my household by keeping me focused and inspired, because a lot of people say, well, you know, how do you keep going? I just keep listening to your podcast. I keep listening to the podcast you recommend, et cetera. And I'm also a big believer in that you get what you pay for. So when you started Patreon, it was a no-brainer for me to go sign up. But every time you talk about Patreon on your podcast, you say something that drives me crazy. Uh-oh. Okay? Do I pronounce something wrong? No. You say, you say... None of the money goes to me or Ryan. That's you te- true. You tell us what it's for, but so why do you feel the need to emphasize what it's not for? If you believe in the value that you provide, why do you think we'd care what you use the money for? Why do you, you, it sounds like you have an intrinsic need to say, it's not coming to us, don't worry about it, it's not coming to us, but if you provide us value, why shouldn't, why should we care if the money goes to you? Because, no, I, because I, if, if yeah, it's a great question. Thank you. Um, and, and the reason that we say it is because the money that, that you pay to get in here tonight, part of that goes to me and Ryan. Uh, when you buy one of our books, you know, that's how I make a living. I'm, I'm a writer, and uh, all that money goes to, to me and Ryan because we... That, that, that's what we do for a living. And, and so what we have done with the podcast is we found an outlet. It's a free outlet to get out there and, and share our message. But what we're trying to do is to build this podcast and film studio. Um, and I want people to know where the money is going. And, and so quite often people will think that if they're just donating, and, and by the way, there may be a point someday where I, where I will tell people, yes, like we've, we've done this other thing and we've decided to shift focus, but I'm always going to be open about where that's going. And, and I, I want some people to, if, if, they're, if they are feeling trepidatious about what should I do with my money, if, if you can't afford to donate some money to this podcast, um, you know, if, if you can't afford to go buy a cup of coffee at Starbucks, then you, you can't afford to donate any money to this podcast. And that's totally okay. I want this to still be a free good for those people as well. But if you can, I want you to know where, where your money's going, and you can feel good about that. And, and if someday that, that money's going straight to my pocket, that's okay too. Like, I'm not allergic to money. You know that. Uh, but you will, you'll still get the opportunity to know where it's going, what we're doing with that, that Patreon money. Yeah. First off, thank you so much for supporting us on Patreon. Like, that means you have no idea how much that means to us. Uh, the only thing I would add to that, uh, Josh and I, we try to be as transparent as possible. And, 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 and that's really what it comes down to, is us trying to, to be transparent with our readers. And I, I know when I think about... Uh, Donating to a podcast, I really don't care what they do with the money either. Um, but, you know, as the minimalists, I think when we're asking for money, we need to be very clear what we're, why we're asking for money. So, uh, if anything, that's, that's why it's, it's the transparency. I, I love what you said, though, because, you know, it, 
if you boil it down, like, you're right, we really shouldn't care about what other people think about what we're going to do with that money. If they want to give us money, great. If they don't, great. Um, I, I do like that approach. Um, but again, we just want to be as transparent as possible. Because we want to show our audience, too, that, like, you know, we, we, we try to live as, as a genuine life as possible, and, and we do that, you know, through sharing things like that with our audience. I, I feel like it'd be impossible for me to have anything of value to say uh, to that question. But can I have some of your guys' money? <laughs> we, had, we had to pay you to be here, right? I'm kidding. We yeah. totally did not. And, and another point about that question that has nothing to do with that question. If you guys take just a second, I think Josh and Ryan facilitate a very wonderful, kind connection, feeling, honestly. Like, can you guys feel that? What? I think I, you, did you say for me to be louder? Because ironically, I think you need to be louder asking me to be louder. <laughs> but with that said, I want you to, just, I'm really taking over the podcast. I want you guys to just feel the connection that these guys have facilitated. I mean, people from all over the community have gathered here to be connected. I love that. And I'd love to contribute to making the connection like warmer and kinder, even. So I want to talk about politics. <laughs> like seriously, I, I don't think Lincoln should have went to the theater that night. <laughs> stupid. Talk about hindsight. Yeah. Does that answer well, your that question? Too soon? <laughs> yeah. It answers mine. Howdy, what's your name and uh, where are you from? Hi, I'm Sarah from Easley, South Carolina. And my question is uh, for you, Josh. I know you hate public speaking. And I was wondering if you um, had some practical tips or you could tell me how you prepare for each time you're going to get on stage for someone who hates uh, public speaking as well. Sure. I, I can talk about how I got better at public speaking, it took a really, really long time for me. I, I don't mean to say that to discourage you, but, but just to know the road that's in front of you. But it, it all happened uh, incrementally, right? And so I've gotten appreciably better just this year, right? Because we're doing like 50 tour stops this year. Um, I, I first, the very first time I did any sort of pu kind of public speaking was in the corporate world. I was 22 years old and um, I had just been promoted after like four or five years, uh, four years as uh, your frontline salesperson to a store manager for a retail store, for two retail stores actually. Uh, I was managing these two retail stores in Ohio. And I had this, there were small, the two smallest stores in the company. Uh, they each had five employees at them. And um, Ryan was actually one of those employees. And um, I had to bring the two stores together and get in front of them and explain that month's promotions. I mean, the driest nonsense you could ever have to explain. No one wants to hear it, but they know they have to show up and listen to me talk for a few minutes. And so I remember showing up to that with just all my notes. I had spent hours and hours preparing. And not only did not everyone, no one cared, 30% uh, uh, of the people didn't show up. And... I had never been more nervous in my life. And speaking in front of seven people, 
was truly terrifying to me. Um, and I can tell you this. I, I can tell you that once it was over, it was such a relief until about five minutes later, I realized, like, oh, shit, I have to do this again next month. And the following month, it was, like, 2% less terrifying. And the month after that, it was 10% less terrifying. And it got to a point where I started to actually get good at it and inject some humor and found ways to make it a little more fun, even the sort of, I mean, it was the most mundane nonsense that anyone had to deal with, but I found a way to at least make that a little bit more fun. In fact, I, I got so good at it that the regional manager at the time asked me to come to do that same thing for our entire region. And, and I, all it took was me just going out there and saying, okay, I'm going to give us a shot. I'm going to do it. And so it wasn't about, I'm going to wait until I'm not nervous to go out there and talk. I wouldn't be out here tonight. Um, because the truth is that you have to get out there anyway. You have to, you're going to have to do it. And you're going to have to screw up. And some of the, the big screw-ups, I mean, you, there are some nights after, after these tour stops, even this year, where Ryan and I are just like, man, what a night. Like, I can't believe, like, I totally bombed. And then, like, we'll be out there afterward in the hug line, and, and someone will be like, oh, my God, that was so great. I'm like, it was? <laughs> Uh, and, and it's because we have really high standards. So if I were to give you any advice whatsoever, it's, it's to have high, high standards for yourself, but then also lower your expectations. Know it's not going to be perfect. You know you're going to fail and, and, and bring those failures forward. What you learn from those failures will make the next talk better, and that will make the next talk better, and then that will make the next talk better. Do you still get nervous? It, it depends. I, I, it depends what you mean by nervous. Do I get nervous... Um, Compared to what I was at age 22 at that little promo pack meeting, no, um, which is really weird because there are 800 people here tonight. But do I get nervous compared to when I'm walking into a coffee shop? Yeah, I, this is this is way more nerve wracking. Uh, uh, there was one, one time on on, but it's not always nerves either. Sometimes it's excitement, right? I mean, Ryan, th there was a time, there was one night uh, on this tour where uh, right before we went out there, I'm like, man, like I'm I'm feeling nervous tonight, like. My palms are sweaty, and, and, and uh, I'm feeling like this rapid heartbeat, and like I'm feeling this tension, I'm, and I'm clenching my teeth a little bit, and man, I, I, and, and Ryan goes, I know, I'm feeling the same thing, like I've got the rapid heartbeat, and I'm clenching my teeth, and my, my palms are sweaty, I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm like, okay, well, I, I, guess, uh, I guess it's all how we interpret it. So eventually, in, our, in the corporate world, I got promoted to Josh's job, and I remember uh, they asked me to do this, this readout, but except for the stores, we did it as an entire region. So my, my first attempt at this, I don't think I ever told you this story, because I was so embarrassed by it. Uh, my first attempt at this uh, was in front of like, like 120-ish people, and I prepared, like I spent you know, some time on it, practice. And then I got up there, and it was, it was so nerve Like, I just completely bombed. It was horrible. Um, it, was, uh, it was stilted. It, it wasn't very engaging. It was just plain boring. And there was a certain point, like, after, the, after the, the promo pack meeting, I'm like, man, like, that really, really went bad. And I asked one of my coworkers, I was like, how bad was that, dude? <laughs> he was like... Well, you're no, it was Stan. Well, you're no Josh Milburn. 
And, and I really, I really like took that to heart and it made me want to be a better, a better public speaker. And I'll tell you, um, there, there are two things uh, that really helped me. Uh, the first is I learned in, in, in speech class 101. And that was for every minute of a talk that you have to give, you practice for at least one hour. Uh, Josh and I put way more time into that, to be honest. Um, so practice, practice, practice the talk. Because what happens is when, see what I did for that, like the first chance I had to like do this awesome, <laughs> it was never awesome. <laughs> the, uh, but, but the one chance that I had, I practiced, but I, I definitely didn't practice enough. The other thing too is um, I, I do start to get those jitters and that'll come through on my voice and stuff. So like I, I just do like a little breathing exercise before I go on stage and it's only like two or three breaths, but it's like this instant way to uh, at least like help me like calm those jitters. Actually, the, I'll explain to you what the breath is. So um, the way I even learned this is I was walking back from, uh, we were, I was in Missoula, Montana. I was walking back from the office back home and there was this homeless guy and he was like, you know, hey, can I have five bucks? And I was getting ready to go eat. And I'm like, no, dude, but I'll totally buy you some lunch. You want to? Want to eat some lunch with me? He's like, yeah, that'd be great. So we sat down and we were, we were talking and uh, he's like, you know what, man, I really appreciate this lunch. He's like, I want to give you something back. I'm going to show you how to, how to do a, 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 I think it's Tai Chi, like t- Tai Chi breath. And basically what I do is I, I'll breathe into my, my uh, uh, lower lungs and I focus right on my stomach. And then when I can't fill my air anymore down there, I'll bring it up to my chest. And if you do that two or three times before uh, you go on stage or if you're at home and you're feeling anxiety, just try doing that two or three times. I don't even really think about the seconds I'm breathing in or what I'm holding in. It's just fill my lower lungs, then fill my upper lungs, and then release upper lungs, release lower lungs. And it is a, it's an amazing tactic. Um, the other thing I'll say too, because I think JP's going to have a lot to say about this, <laughs> is just to echo what Josh said, is you, you do have to be vulnerable. Like you do got to go out there and be willing to fail and learn from those failures. Yeah, I love that. And another thing, what did I do? But something that Ryan forgot to tell you in that story, not only did the homeless man impart his breathing wisdom onto Ryan, he also imparted his fashion style onto Ryan. (laughs) The guy looked good. Yeah, obviously. (laughs) You know, and... I love the question. I love your courage to ask the question. I personally don't believe that people get afraid of public speaking. I think what we're really afraid of is missing expectations. Both what we expect the audience's expectations to be, as well as our own expectations. And I think that's the real fear. And I think getting clear on whatever the talk is, getting clear on the reality that the the purpose of the talk isn't to worship expectations. It's to share your freaking gift with the world, the voice, your creativity, your perspective. So I think you have a voice for a reason. And I think worshiping your voice is a much better form of worship, no offense, atheists, than worshiping (laughs) expectations. And then, you know, I've had the pleasure of doing public speaking too, since I was 22. And uh, much like uh, Josh, is apparently his name. Um, yeah, like it's, you're not human if it's not scary in the beginning. I think doing it is 
how you get over the fear, which means you can't be afraid to feel the fear. You have to be willing to feel the fear and take action in order to eventually get on the other side of the fear where then it's like registered as, oh, this feels like excitement rather than fear while not sliding down the slope of trying to appease expectations. And I also find it interesting, that wasn't funny, uh, Ryan. It was funny. I also find it funny that our expectations, at least my experience of them, like we tend to imagine the worst case scenario that's far worse than the reality. Like what we think people's expectations are of us is usually 10 times scarier than what their real expectations are. And don't get me wrong, their real expectations are crappy. Like that's their business, not ours, in my opinion. Thank you so much. Yeah. All right, hold on just one sec. Yeah, we had two people clap for that. It was <laughs> minimalism. Um, before we move on, if you're listening to this at home and you have a comment or tip for anyone who uh, asked a question today or is going to ask a question, you can give us a call, 406-219-7839, or send us a voice memo right from your phone to podcast at theminimalists.com. Uh, it's my favorite part of the show. We air our, our listeners' comments and tips at the end of the episode, and it just gives me a bunch of stuff that I can steal and repurpose on future episodes, <laughs> which is really nice. All right, Ryan, you know what time it is? It is time for our hashtag Ask the Minimalist lightning round where... Thanks for clapping for that. Uh, <laughs> where we usually answer questions from social media, but that'd be really weird if JP just got on his phone all of a sudden. So there's a microphone right there. Uh, yeah. Um. Well, usually what we do is we, we give you a 140-character pithy response. We call them minimal maxims, and Jessica is around here somewhere cataloging all of these. She actually live tweets from the events uh, using the hashtag less is now. By the way, where is Jess? Are you around here somewhere? Oh, she's over there. Ladies and gentlemen, Jessica Lynn Williams. She catalogs all these pithy answers over at minimalmaxims.com, but we don't have uh, the answers ready for you, so we'll maunder on a bit until we get something neat and tidy that we can wrap it up, uh, something pithy to share at the very end. Howdy, what's your name? Namaste. My name is Amber. Hey, Amber. That word just changed my life. (laughs) Namaste. I just had a breakthrough. You knowing one word of the Sanskrit language, so impressive. Hi, Amber. Hi. I'm from Marietta, Georgia. I'm also an introvert like Josh. Um, A lot of people consume because they're unhappy. Some people declutter because they realize stuff adds to the stress. How do you maintain your mental health now? Man, so so I think think for me, a lot of it has to do with, with... figuring out what is appropriate for me. And that changes a lot. Actually, I'll give you a, a, a very contemporary example because uh, uh, tonight, um, and actually going forward, is, is something I have to change with this tour. I mean, so it's important for me to, A, get outside my comfort zone, right? Like, it, there's an old maxim, you know, life begins outside the, your comfort zone. Don't tweet that. That's not from me. Um, and... Um, I, I, I do believe that. Um, I believe in, in expanding what my comfort zone is. This is starting to sound really inappropriate. Um, 
anyway, um, I, I, I do believe that, that um, if, you know, I'm just sitting at home and, and, and you know, on a couch watching TV, pacifying myself kind of thing, uh, that will feel good for a while. Anything that is pleasurable is, is good in small doses, right? But too often we mistake pleasure for happiness. Ooh, that's tweetable. There's my, that's my pithy answer for you. Let me unpack it. Um, and and um, I, I find that sometimes I'll go too far, though. I will, um, I'll go too far outside of my comfort zone to a point where it may make me uncomfortable mentally, emotionally, physically like I am right now. And so one of the reasons that I'm, I'm ill right now, could be the only reason I'm ill, is you know, I hugged several hundred people in Nashville a few nights ago, and I felt great, but I mean, they were from Nashville. Anyone listening to this from Nashville, we love you. <laughs> Y'all are disgusting nah. animals in Nashville. <laughs> no, I mean, it's, it's, it's that time of year, though, where there's a whole bunch of sick people. There are people just coughing in, in the line, and, and um, they come and give you a hug, and they sneeze in your face. And, um, and then all, all of a sudden... I was going to say, actually, he, instead of the hug line, he made out with every single person in line. <laughs> I really warned him not to. It's too soon. <laughs> Senator Nicodemus. <laughs> no, 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 that was too soon. <laughs> I don't this know what that f- means. Uh, What's that? Uh, go on. <laughs> anyway, um, so I was in Nashville, and um, uh, I realized afterward, like, the, first off, the hug line all year, I, I love doing it. We started doing it because we used to have two to six people show up at our tour stops. A really big crowd for us was 20 and like hardly manageable. And, but we still fig- figure out a way to give everyone hugs when there was 20. And we just carried this forward and forward and forward. And it's gotten to a point now where it's like, okay, I don't think I can do this anymore. And it sucks, it sucks for me to say that because I, I, it's a part of the, the, the tour that I do enjoy. And I enjoy connecting with people. But I also realize at some point I have to say no to that. I obviously have to say no tonight because all of you will have a horrible fever tomorrow if, if I give you a hug. So Ryan, I think, might hang out afterward. Yeah, I'll definitely be and, there. And, and uh, dish out some hugs. But um, So I, I realize sometimes um, I'll push myself too far past the comfort zone, and then I have to pull back. And so always be, be willing to reconsider those decisions that you've made that have helped you grow because they may not continue to help you grow in the future. That was somewhat pithy as well. Oh, I forgot. This is, thanks for reminding me. It's a lightning round. I always forget. Um, you had all this her question was about mental clutter. Did you even, I don't even know if you answered anything about mental clutter. <laughs> Well, he's showing my secrets here. My, this is my, my favorite pedagogical technique is if I don't have a good answer to your question, I just answer a different question. No, I, th- I think it was totally out No, I mean, it, no, I really do feel that way. I, when, when we, uh, if we continue to expand too far, we're going to go into this downward mental spiral. I can tell you where I was two days ago was not in a good place mentally. I mean, just, just literally laying there in a hotel room, wishing, like, um, like reconsidering everything in my life. 
What the hell the hell? Like, I was delusional from like a 102 degree fever. Yeah, I, it's fun. We were at the airport and uh, on our way to Washington, D.C. And uh, Josh was there. He's talking. He's like, you know, doing his like really like, oh, I'm Josh and I'm like really engaged in this conversation, having a great time. But he looked like shit. And I didn't want to tell him, like, dude, shut up. <laughs> I know you feel like shit right now. Uh, stop talking. But no, he, uh, he, I'm so glad you're here tonight, man. I, I did Washington, D.C. by myself, and it was not nearly as awesome as, as how this is going. But to answer your, your question about mental clutter, um, no, I mean, Josh really did hit, hit the nail on the head. When, when you start living outside of your values and beliefs. So for me, I, when I think about my most... My time, the times of my life when my mind was the most cluttered it is when my short-term actions did not align with my long-term values and beliefs. Because when I was living that life, I was living a disingenuous life. And that is where I felt the most mental clutter. So uh, the first and foremost to deal with the mental clutter is you be proactive with it. Short-term actions have to align with the long-term values and beliefs. If not, then you're going to start having some mental clutter going on. Same thing with stuff. When we have, you know, rooms packed with newspapers and magazines and I am just, like, kind of exaggerating because, like, I remember Josh would hold on to every, like, GQ magazine. Esquire. Esquire. <laughs> and, then, and Because he did it, I thought I had to do it, too. And I'm like, well, yeah, maybe I'll reference those one day. I've never, ever picked one of those up again to reference it. Um... But, but be proactive. Um, the other thing, too, is... Uh, you realize that not a whole lot of people laughed at that is because they have stacks of magazines in their basement, <laughs> right? I mean, applaud if you, if you don't. <laughs> All right. Minimalists. You hear everyone not applauding, though? <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, and of course, there are some tools, right? And some of the tools I use are uh, meditation, uh, long walks, um, quiet walks, uh, listening to music. Um, I love, 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 love getting into a float tank. That is awesome. Um, but, but there are certainly tools uh, you know, at your disposal that, that you can use too to help the mental clutter. But I think the best way to help mental clutter is to be as proactive with it as possible. Yeah. Could we get a round of applause for my beautiful red hair? I've Now, I got to say, JP, that um, the hair is truly beautiful. And I, I was especially, like, noticing this. You did a, a video recently, uh, the Prancer Sizing video. Yeah, I did. I did. Which, and you were wearing what I could describe only as a loincloth. Yeah. Um, and let's just say you're not a minimalist completely. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> it's true. It's true. They're actually my uh, fiance's shortest yoga shorts that show off my lack of minimalism, apparently. <laughs> and, and before I get to the important question that I forgot, <laughs> Ryan, I have to say, like, in your answer, you said the F or S word twice, and I didn't like it. I'm, I'm fucking offended that you swore... <laughs> I would request you not to. Okay. Duly noted. <laughs> so with mental clutter, it just a, a quick two cents. I mean, I'm not the expert here. 
I'm not really the expert here. <laughs> My philosophy is have your beliefs, but don't believe your beliefs. I think when we... Uh, unpack that for us. That was very pithy. Sure. I think beliefs aren't the challenge. I think we're going to have those. You're human. But when you believe your beliefs, that's you being attached to it. I think that's analogous, which isn't how you say that word, but I can't really say it right. But I think that's analogous to if you go around to your house and all your stuff is in your house and you, you super glue all your stuff to the counter. To me, that's analogous to believing your beliefs. But when you just have beliefs and you're relatively unattached to them, then you're able to much more easily get rid of the beliefs that aren't serving you anymore, the beliefs that aren't bringing value and joy to your life. And I think there's a, a paradox of life that says a belief that serves us will eventually disserve us, will outgrow it. Just like the p pants you wore when you were in third grade served you really well when you were in third grade. But think about that belief. If it served you well in third grade and here you are, you're 30, 40, 50 years old, still wearing the same pair of pants that you wore in third grade, it's a little ridiculous. It served you well, but now it's not serving you. So I think when we can have the, the mindset and the heart set to let our beliefs go, it, easier said than done, but let our beliefs go in the sense of, yeah, I'll have my beliefs because I need them. They give me a sense of safety and delusional certainty. But I'll just not believe my beliefs. And in fact, which brings me, I'm going to be 45 more minutes here. <laughs> Lightning round. Yeah, show of hands, who has not watched any of my videos? The fuck is wrong with you guys? <laughs> like, are you guys deliberately trying to hurt me? <laughs> All right, we got to, if you haven't watched my videos, hands back up. Keep them up. Audience, the rest of you guys, I'm going to need your help. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to repeat after me, speaking directly to these people with their hands in the air. You guys okay with this? It's just I'm off the rails here. <laughs> so just <laughs> repeat after me. Keep your hands up. <laughs> Tell them, hello. hello. We watch JP's videos. We're better than you. <laughs> so I bring up, thank you, by the way, I think we healed something there as a community. So I bring up my videos for two reasons. One, I'm a narcissist and like to talk about myself. And the other is I do parody, uh, satirical videos on things that I value. So my videos are a self-practice of me taking a belief, like in spirituality, meditation, clean eating, and then I use a video as an act of not believing the belief, which I'm not going to get rid of the belief until like I want to get rid of it, but I'm, I use the videos as a way of distancing my self-identity from like who I actually am, whoever that is, and the belief. So I think the moral of the story is, like, make my videos on your mental clutter. But the pithy answer, I don't even know what that word is, but I equate it to mean short. I've just picked up clues. <laughs> Have beliefs, but don't believe your beliefs. Yeah.
How do you, oh my. What's your name? Wait, hold on. Hold on, hold on. I just want to say, for anyone listening to this, since you brought up your videos, and I love talking about your videos too, um, there are two videos that are like my absolute two favorite videos he's done. If you're listening at home or you're in the crowd here, uh, he did a video on minimalism. So good. And uh, yeah. (laughs) And then another one is if meat eaters behaved like vegans. You, what I've just done to you who haven't seen JP, JP Sears' videos, you're going to go look those up and you're going to go down the rabbit hole, but you're going to have a good time doing it. Yeah. You can find him on uh, YouTube. It's just uh, Awaken with JP. He's the same on all the socials, but also different on all the socials. Howdy. What's your name? Stephanie. Hey, Stephanie. Where are you from? I live in Roswell, Georgia. <laughs> yeah. Roswell's in the house tonight. You can pull that mic down a little bit. You can just like, there you go. Yay, now you can hear me. (laughs) So I love shopping. I also love looking for deals because I have not only myself, my husband, and my two kids to clothe and do everything and all the laundry. So I've looked for crazy good deals on everything. How do you kind of either reconcile that or make it coincide with minimalism? So I was walking over here tonight and um, <clears throat> I saw two retail stores that really stood out to me. One was a furniture store. It said, modern furniture, minimalist prices. <laughs> and it was like stickered on there. Yeah. Like yeah, this yeah. was not like a banner. This was, this was like their, their claim to you need to come into this store. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they spent some money on this, which there's all kinds of irony in that. And believe me, I know when you say anything about minimalism, everything you do is is instantly in, enveloped by a carapace of irony. Um, but, but here's the thing. I have no idea what the hell that means, and I'm one of the minimalists. I, what the hell is a minimalist price? Um, and then I walked by a mattress store on the way over as well, and it said 72-month financing options available for a fucking mattress. And, and so my pithy answer to you is it's 100% off if you don't buy it. But how do you reconcile the fact that you like shopping is, is um, the question. My guess is there is some sort of, not a guess, I'm certain, it it fulfills some sort of need that you have right now. Probably uh, a need for certainty or satisfaction. Um, And it goes back to what I was talking about before, is we mistake pleasure, the short-term ephemeral pleasure, for long-term contentment, right? And so if you you go eat a piece of candy, it's not going to kill you, right? But if your entire diet consists of candy, you're going to get sick in a meaningful way. You, you will, you, you'll feel it. You're going to get a stomach ache, you're going to throw up, and, and, and you're going to get diabetes eventually. Um, and the problem with, with, the shop, with shopping is you don't have those same sort of negative, physical negative effects 
There are other kinds of negative effects. Um, we, get, we rack up all this debt. And I know, because I had $100,000 worth of debt. We, we rack up this debt, and, and we start to feel physically ill from that. And we don't under, we, there's not a direct correlation, right? And so we feel bad about that. And so then what do we do? We go try to shop more to, to not feel bad. And it's like you're laying in the hospital eating more candy, wondering why it's not making you better, right? There's nothing inherently wrong with candy, and there's nothing inherently wrong with shopping if, you, if, it, if it's done the appropriate amount. In fact, shop, one could argue that, that shopping, you know, when it's shopping for the necessary things, you know, during my talk I was talking about consumption isn't the problem. Look, we all need some stuff, right? Um, except JP, he's transcended stuff. I, I like things more than stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that was my pithy answer. <laughs> um, but he knew I was going to say it. Uh, anyway, I, I feel like, I feel like what, what's happening is we don't, we don't understand where the pain that we're experiencing is coming from when, when that pain has to do with consumption. And, and you, so you're going to have to find a real way to figure out where the pain is. And that could be the credit card debt. Or maybe you're just independently wealthy and, and you have all the money you need. You can shop yourself into oblivion forever. Um, and, and, then, and then maybe the pain has, has to do with not being able to have the time that you need to focus on creating or to focus on your relationships or to focus on your community or contributing to other people. Where is that pain for you? Once you figure that out and you're able to link it with shopping, it's not going to feel good anymore. In fact, I used to manage a bunch of retail stores, so I spent a lot of time in malls. I can hardly walk into a mall now without getting some sort of anxiety from, from just the, 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 the stimuli all around me. Um, I still like shopping. <laughs> I mean, it, you know, when I have to, uh, you know, go get, I'm trying to think of the last thing I bought, but I really liked it. <laughs> um, I can I'm, say, I'm, I'm thinking like non-food items. Uh, oh, uh, AirPods. I got the Apple AirPods. So I, I was like, I was looking for a, a nice solution, whatever. Uh, I won't tell you why I got them. But the point is, is like, when, when, I, when I, I, I didn't go into the Apple store and get them, I just like ordered them. Well, we, didn't, we don't have an Apple store in Missoula, Montana anyway. Um, but they got in the mail and I was like, God, like this is a nice little box. I love how they like, they're in that little dental floss container and it clicks. And like it has their own little spots. I mean, it's just like, it's a beautiful design. I mean, it's, it's, it's a game changer when it comes to like Bluetooth headphones. Um, so I, I guess what I'm saying is out of, as one of the minimalists, I still... Still like getting new stuff. The thing is, though, is I don't let that drive uh, drive me into compulsion, and and that is really where uh, Josh and I speak to. There's nothing wrong with consuming. There's nothing wrong with buying stuff. The problem is that when we compulsively consume, this is where it can start to be problematic. So it's okay that you like to provide for your family because that's where I probably think the joy is coming from. It's not, oh man, I got like a million rolls of toilet paper, 50% off, it's more like, oh, wow, I got this toilet paper and my family can wipe their butts and I'm really glad that, <laughs> that they could do that. And, and, and you are providing, in a sense, for your family that way. So that's probably where the joy is coming from. Um, if you right now are, are uh, a compulsive shopper, 
and it is ruining uh, whether it's your credit or whether it is um, taking up too much space in your house or maybe it's just taking too much space in your mind, then if you're feeling some kind of angst and that is a clear sign that something has to change. So it really isn't up to me or Josh to tell you how you should feel good about shopping. Only you know, uh, honestly, why you feel good about shopping. So uh, if you can look in the mirror and say, no, I, 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 we, we're on a tight budget. It helps a lot for me to coupon. Um, I've got a family to take care of, and it really makes me feel good when I go out of my way to take care of my family, then, then that's awesome. But if you are doing this and it isn't aligning with your values and beliefs and you are feeling that little bit of angst, then yeah, then something certainly needs to change. So I guess that's my way of saying like, Yes, it's, it can totally be a minimalist thing or it can totally be a, a non-minimalist thing. I don't know what a pithy answer is, Jess. You're going to have to tweet something out there. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, I think the best way for me to give an answer to your question is for me to talk about me for a second. <laughs> but I think it relates. So when I was a kid, I got addicted to making people laugh. And it, it came from really low self-worth and insecurity. So I found if I could make someone laugh, then I feel like I matter to them because I just made them laugh and I have value to them. And therefore, I feel significant instead of insignificant. The insignificance, the low self-worth was still inside, but I'd get like a five or ten minute like escapism from that into the illusion of significance by providing someone with comedy. And, and I, I certainly don't know your story, but I'm just wondering if shopping is your comedy. If, if bringing home toilet paper to wipe butts, and I assume other things once in a while, but bringing home a sweater. Wait, wait, what else are you wiping butts with? <laughs> a new sweater to wipe your butt. But I, I could just imagine for some people, bringing home a new item that has value on paper is a way of saying... Please value me because I don't feel valuable as I am. And I think there's two types of people in this world. Those of us who have self-worth issues and then those of us who are in denial of having self-worth issues. (laughs) It makes us human. So I, I would certainly invite you to take a look into your heart and potentially parts of you who like don't feel good enough as you are don't feel like you're enough for your family as you are and uh, yeah get vulnerable with those rather than avoiding those parts of your heart through the medication of shopping that gives you a different perceptual experience of yourself I, I am valuable at the expense of getting further away from yourself All right, y'all, quick interruption. If you want to listen to our bonus episode this week, as well as all of our past bonus episodes, head on over to theminimalists.com and click donate at the top of our website. Each week, we publish The Minimalist's private podcast exclusively for our Patreon supporters. This private podcast shows up in your normal podcast feed, like Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Google Play, or whatever podcast app you use, and it shows up right next to our normal weekly podcast you know, the one you're listening to right now. And being a Patreon supporter also gets you first access to the best tickets to all of our live events, as well as access to our monthly private live stream video, which is called Ask the Minimalists Anything. 
It's worth noting that none of this money goes to me or to Ryan. Instead, we're using your contributions to build a new podcast and film studio in Los Angeles so that we can create more meaningful audio and video creations. If you already support this podcast, thank you. I know that $2 often doesn't sound like a lot of money. I mean, it's less than a cup of coffee, but it is your support that keeps this podcast 100% advertisement free because advertisements suck. And if we can just get 2% of our audience to support this show, then we'll have enough funds to produce some amazing new creations. Your support is truly appreciated. All right, y'all, back to the regular show. JP, before we wrap up, any final words of wisdom? Of wisdom, thank you. Yes. Yes. Be yourself. That is so cliche and so easy to say, and one of the reasons why life takes so long is because it's so hard to do. But I don't really know the purpose of life. But if I was pretending to know, I would guess it has something to do with you being you. Not you conforming to who you think you're supposed to be to get approval or disapproval if you're defiant. But I think the purpose of your life might have something to do with you being you. And I think the fact that we're in a room full of people, probably also a stage full of people, where none of us really know who we are, that shouldn't be an obstacle to us being who we are. Knowing who we are and being who we are are two very different things. I think who we are is way beyond the mental comprehension uh, of our minds. So I would dare say we bring the most value to our lives and the people around us when we can be unapologetically authentic in ourselves to the best degree that we can in any given moment. So my, my invitation for you guys is always, always, always aim in the direction of your authenticity. Ladies and gentlemen, J.P. Sears. And thank you guys for having me. Appreciate y'all. Uh, keep going, keep going. <laughs> wow, that's, that's so generous. Wow. That's 45 minutes Wait, what, of low self-esteem. What do you do for an encore, exactly? <laughs> I'll, I'll do a cartwheel, maybe. But thank you guys so much for having me. I know this is your baby. I take my baby so, like, they're, they're my babies. So the fact that you guys, Josh and Ryan, would invite me to be a part of your art, man, I'm honored. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much for being here, man. Thank you. And you can check him out online. We'll put a link to all his website and social media on, on the socials. But he's just at Awaken with JP, wherever, wherever good social media is sold. And uh, before we wrap up, though, I want to thank the Buckhead Theater for having us here tonight. What a great place. So if you leave here tonight with just one message, we hope it's this. Love people and use things because the opposite never works. See you next time, y'all. Thank you so much, Atlanta. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Hi, Josh and Ryan. This is Cecilia from Geneva, Ohio. This is how I manage my pictures. 
In 2010, I had all my paper pictures scanned by a company onto a single CD, a single disc versus an eight-foot section of my storage closet occupied by photo albums was a no-brainer. I pitched the paper pictures. Subsequently, I transferred the disc of pictures onto an external hard drive that also contains any videos that I wanted to keep. One 3x5-inch hard drive is barely filled, plenty of room for any other media. After I did this, I then decided to avoid keeping pictures at all for the most part. I had been using Facebook for a year and decided to use Facebook as a tool. To me, Facebook is my electronic journal. I can upload the picture or pictures that represent an adventure or memory that I want to journal, and then I delete the pictures off my phone. This allows me to store my pictures in the cloud of Facebook for free, and I don't have to have a phone with a lot of memory, since I don't keep pictures on the phone, thereby lowering the cost I pay for a phone. This may not be a good idea for someone who is addicted to Facebook. I am one of those people who can take or leave Facebook. I do not live or die by whether someone likes or comments on my posts. Facebook is mainly a tool for my memories. Hey, Josh and Ryan. This is Helen from Old Town, Maine. I'm one of those people that absolutely hates putting something in the garbage that still has life in it just because no one has a need for it. Old, torn-up clothes included. This month, I'm going to a developing country on a Christian medical mission trip. What I've been doing is I've been taking some old jeans that I no longer use with really tattered bottoms, cutting them capri length, and using the denim to make hacky sacks. I then hem the capris so they don't look tattered. I'm planning to bring the hacky sacks down with me as a group game that will be a gift for some of the kiddos we help out, and I can wear the capris while I'm down there, and then leave them for someone who needs them after I'm done using them. This way, perfectly good jeans are not ending up in a landfill. I'm getting rid of excess stuff. Someone gets a pair of capris, and a whole bunch of kids that don't have money for or access to toys will get um, hacky sacks to play with. It's a win all around. Hey there, this is Anna from Minnesota, and I have a tip for anyone getting married that doesn't need a bunch of household gifts. I'm currently planning my own wedding and was kind of dreading the registry process until I found out about a website called Honey Fund. This website allows couples to register for honeymoon expenses such as hotels, flights, and all the fun stuff like wine or beer tours or parasailing. You can customize it however you'd like, and your loved ones can pay for parts of your honeymoon right on the site through a PayPal account. It's a very easy process for both the couple and the guests, and it's taken a lot of stress out of our own wedding planning process. Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing you think that you need Every little thing that's just feeding your greed Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it Every little thing that you gotta have Every little thing that you gotta have You gotta reach for and you gotta grab Oh, I bet that you'd be fine without it so tear your eyes away, or tear 